0: Hey, everyone. I've got some exciting news. We're unlocking Southpaw Deep Space Nine Season 2 and making it available for everyone on our public feed. But if you love our work and want to be the first to listen to Season 3 as it's being released, head over to Patreon. There, you'll find break-free versions of past SDS-9 episodes, Southpaw and Fight Study, and our other bonus show, Fighters Brew. You'll also find our Liberation Martial Arts program, which is exclusive to our supporters. It's for beginner and advanced martial artists, as well as people just looking for fitness and rehabilitation. It's a gentle, wholesome, and embodied approach to training. Lots of individuals, trainers, families, friends, collectives, activists, and organizations are already using it. So if you want to support our work, and get early access to all our great content, including Season 3 of SDS9, go to patreon.com salpopod and join our community. You can also go to SalPopPod.com and find the links there or on our show notes. Thanks for listening and catch you soon. This is Southpaw Deep Space Nine Season 2, where we analyze Deep Space Nine and Star Trek from a political and historical lens, episode by episode. I'm watching DS9 with fresh eyes, and Scott is the veteran Trek fan. We are discussing Season 2 of DS9, Episode 24, The Collaborator. Scott, can you tell us about this episode?
1: I would love to. In what is likely an orb experience, Vedic Burrell, a spiritual leader in Bajor and Kira's sometimes romantic interest, walks along a deserted Deep Space Nine promenade with a holy man hung. A version of Kira is ready to play spring ball and will help Vedic Burrell get the man down. Burrell notices that this man is Prylar Beck, but Kira says it is actually him, and he gets out of the orb. Later in Kira's room, Burrell and Kira are sleeping together and having some nice lover's connection, flirting hard. Burrell has a good chance of being voted as Kai, Bejor's spiritual leader, in a few days, to replace Kai Opaka, who passed away only to be taken over by microbes and left on a moon in season one. Kira and Burrell run into Vedic Wynn, who is running hard for Kai, and they are ensconced in this dance, which they have always, where this just a lot of underhanded, passive aggressive tones, and they are talking about how they're keeping an eye on each other. Kira blames Wynn for the attempt on Barrel's life earlier in the year and calls for up security. Kira can't prove Wynn's involvement, and Wynn is, again, just the worst. On the promenade, a uh, Cardassian-Bajoran collaborator, Kubus, who has left Cardassia, is arrested while Wynn watches. Burrell has another orb visit. He sees Opaka, who tells him to be strong, and Wynn tells him to be true. And the person that hung themselves offers a noose to Burrell, and then he gets out of the orb. Back to Odo, who has Kubus in a cell. And they talk about how Kubis was Dukat's favorite, Bajoran. The xenophobic tropes here made me quite uncomfortable. And uh, Kubis says Bajor was better because of him. You know, the guy, the, that sort of trope. Like, oh, well, it doesn't matter what I did. It was for Bajor. He said he was just doing his job to make Bajor safe. Kira denies Kubis's request to go home. The OVN proclamation was created by Bejor to not let collaborators come home to Bejor. And though Cubus is old and wishes to die at home on Bejor, Kira asks him point blank, Did you sign that order that caused the death of all these Bejorans? And he acknowledges it. She says he's lucky he got off with just exile. when then meets Cisco and it's like let's have a relationship go better. We don't let's not be enemies. And Cisco's like the last time you came over, you told everybody that I was bad for Bajor, questioned my ability as an emissary, caused a lot of drama. And she's like, oh, well, I didn't mean it like that. What I just mean is that you're going to be a challenge. That you offer us something, an opportunity. And she says, hey, let's have a public meeting in where we can show how we're cool. And Cisco's like, well, you know, after this whole Kai thing happens, because I wouldn't want you to think that I'm, I wouldn't want people to think that I'm endorsing you. I'm not endorsing, he's not endorsing any politicians and doesn't want to do any behavior that may suggest such. Odo reports that it turns out the Cubist is going back to Bejor, and Wynn has given him sanctuary and amnesty. The man who killed himself in Vedic Burrell's orb vision was Beck, who worked with Cubis and was responsible for information leading to a massacre that include Kyopaka's child. So it turns out that for Sanctuary, Cubis will reveal who really was responsible for the massacre, the turncoat, Vedic Borel. Wynne wants Kira to look into it and prove Burrell's innocence or guilt. Kira meets with Cubus. He says Burrell and Beck did yell at each other once, and after that, was when Beck died. Kira tries to ask Burrell and get info. He says he did nothing wrong, and visited Beck the day that Beck died. And because they are both spiritual, they can't share what they spoke of. Kira tells Odo that she loves Burrell, and Odo normally demure, makes a face. He likes her, maybe. Odo and Kira search the assembly records during the time of the massacre, and it's all been erased. Something only a Vedic could do. Odo and Kira meet Cork to have Cork hack into the files and get the Vedic archives. Odo and Kira talk exactly where Beck took his life, and they lament that at one point he was a good man. And Odo says, even the best humanoids are capable of committing horrible things. Quark hacks into the files and sees that the files were deleted. Miles can't get to the data, but he can find out who ordered the de- deletion. Burrell has another orb vision. Beck laments betrayal. He, was a, it was, he has a romantic moment with Wynn and is stabbed by Kira. Now, in the real world, Kira meets Beryl in his quarters. Burrell is responsible for the death order. Beryl gave the ship of 45 Bajorans, as to not allow thousands of Bajorans to die. Beryl resigns as possible Kai. Kira doesn't buy something and asks for archival access. She meets the new Kai Wynn and meets Burrell, And of course, Kai Wynn can no longer meet with Sisko. Hmm. After reports show that Burrell actually was not there that day that this massacre happened. The fix is in. Kayo Paca was the person who turned out to be the collaborator and had her son killed to save thousands. And Burrell was willing to not disgrace her name, even though that means leaving us with win. And that is not a win at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so in watching this, I realized one difference between the Federation and the UN or NATO or other U.S. alliances is that the Federation has a rule to at least try and not interfere. Whereas U.S. alliances have no such rule. They exist to do the opposite. And the U.S. is notorious for never signing any international laws or agreements about non-intervention, economic sovereignty or human rights. The U.S. and most often with Israel are the rogue nations against other U.N. nations and votes. Imagine the Federation if Earth had more power than all the other planets and had no rule about non-intervention. That's basically our U.S.-led world order. Now, we've talked about Star Trek often engaging in philosophical thought experiments. This one is about the trolley problem. Ultimately, the trolley problem is about, do you kill a few to save the many? We had the same thought experiment in Armageddon Game. The thing about the trolley problem is, though the equation remains the same, based on how you frame it, people sometimes change their answers. It's principles versus personal bias. But here's the problem with the trolley problem. You know in that equation that for sure more people will die. With the scenarios in DS9, you don't know for sure. You hope you save more lives, but there's no control group. It's just prediction, right? It's dealing with something that hasn't happened yet. So you won't ever know. It's a gamble because we can't predict the future. It's all probabilities. But in this episode and with Bajorans, this is where religious faith comes in. You just have to believe that it's the right thing to do. Faith without evidence. That's the thing about religions in general. why it's faith. For better or worse. Now this episode was tangled and sticky. Kaiopaka's penance and decisions in battle lines now make more sense. And there's a lot of criticisms about faith and religion in this episode. Even when it comes to the quote unquote good religious figures. This episode and the decisions made remind me of season one, episode Dax, where the truth was covered up for quote unquote the greater good. Also, it had the same theme of martyrdom. We saw this as well with Lee Nallis yep. covering up the inconvenient truth for the quote unquote greater good. In this episode, we saw several people having to make tremendous sacrifices to protect their religious leader, Kayopaka. Even her son is fucked up. Even the good Kais and Vedics are fucked up, and Win is a bit redeemed but still fucked up. And now we're left with, did this even make
1: things better? No, that's the thing about self-righteousness is that Vedic Burrell in, in saving the, the, the memory of Kai Opaka gave us Kai Win. Yes. And this is why pride and that sort of stoic pride that exists is often dumb. And without going too deep into the future, this episode is one of the most important episodes that we've gotten to so far. The significance of this coronation cannot be downplayed.
0: I mentioned in the Maquis episodes, the theme of the quote-unquote greater good is the MO, the U.S. uses, to not teach you about all the things we mentioned in these episodes, all the historical references and books and thoughts you should have. And so DS9 so far has been playing with that belief. Even the characters we know and enjoy are pushing that belief that covering up the truth is for the greater good. But we're starting to see this challenge now. And maybe to your allusion, future episodes will challenge this belief even more that trying to do things for the greater good isn't always for the greater good and trying to cover up the truth doesn't always result in what you're even trying to do. Scott, you've seen more of this, but without giving too much away, what are your thoughts about this episode?
1: From a mythology-based episode, I have to give this a four out of five because of the setup the acting was good. The story was good. Some of it felt a little empty, but for pushing forward this like do does Odo have a crush on Kira thing, I thought that was dope. And pushing push like letting us know that that no, Vedic win, Kai win. She's she's not very nice, and she's not very pious, and. The woman who plays her really knows how to play her well.
0: As far as that element, when we're talking about characters and plot, I feel like now, because we've had similar episodes in the past, the crew is not as idealistic as they were in season one. And especially even earlier in this season. I don't know if Benjamin Sisko gives Lee Nallis the same talk about hiding the truth for their greater good anymore. I don't feel like that's the same Benjamin Cisco. This is not the same Kira. I'm assuming this is not the same Dax. Like everybody has grown and changed and they're not so naive and so Pollyanna now. And they're also not so idealistic about the Federation and they're much more critical of the Federation now. So I feel like this episode also showed, here's a theme that we showed you in previous episodes, but now... Look at how the characters have changed. They're not reacting to it the same way. So it's subtle in how they did that. But I think the more you think about the episode, the more you appreciate it.
1: Right. And if you compare it to a similar episode from this season, the Armageddon game, where, where the people are trying to, to bring about nuclear disarmament. They take this that idea of the are you what are you willing to do in the name of progress? It was a similar idea, but when you have a little more stakes at it, this is what it looks like. And the thing is, politicians make, have to make decisions that are like that train course thing all the time. I think most politicians would have chosen. Many politicians would, ch- would have chosen the smaller vessel with their child versus thousands of people.
0: I think there's multiple moral equations here, right? There's that, but also politicians would also do whatever they had to do to cover their ass. So I think in that way, they would have made the decision Kayo made. Like she could have made that decision, right? That's the first decision about the trolley equation and then come clean about it. That's the second decision, right? So, covering your ass—that's pretty politician of her.
1: Oh, rubs me the wrong way. But
0: you know, even though it makes me like her less, it makes that episode Battle Lines, which seemed kind of like a silly episode, it makes it less silly now. Like the decisions she made is like, oh okay, you know, in hindsight, it's not so silly. So I guess it redeemed that episode a little bit too. It's kind of like win redeems a little bit,
1: but still not that much. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to start caping for win anytime soon.
0: Scott, can you tell us a bit about the next episode?
1: Tribunal. The Machi are back, and O'Brien is caught up in it. Cardassia. Until then. Ta-na-na-na.